Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arbilla from the Knowledge Exchange, one of the head mentors here. And today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Alex Murray, podiatrist and head of Making Sense in Podiatry. Alex puts out a ton of useful content and blogs and writings and a few infographics now as well. Summarizing kind of what we know from the musculoskeletal world in podiatry and trying to kind of reconcile perhaps old narratives um, with, with newer updated narratives on, on pain science, on, on rehab in general. So thank you so much, Alex, for taking the time to join us. No, thank you for having me. So to kick off today's podcast, what I'd love to talk about would be posture. So we kind of have an idea of, of static posture in the musculoskeletal world. There's also a, a postural ideal in, in the podiatry world, so for foot posture. So Alex, if you could talk us through what is, what is foot posture, what's kind of the, the background with that? Well, you've immediately thrown in, into, a, into a bit of a minefield. Um, there's a lot of postural debate like in, in, with physios and, and uh, with EPs in terms of what's the right posture. And, and it's a very, very similar um, debate we end up in the podiatry world, uh, really just what is the posture of the foot? You've obviously got these, um, a lot of terms go around like pes planus and, um, you know, flat foot, high arched foot, you know, pes cavus foot types. And it's the, the idea that that foot posture itself has an impact on injury risk or it's a cause of injury um, that, uh, and it goes along with a lot of those other sort of narratives as well that, that we've had in, in other rehab areas like um, long-term sort of problems from poor, you know, back posture uh, or poor posture when you're lifting and moving. And we're, we're finding that it's not, not as, uh, as clear cut as we thought. Yeah, what what kind of were the the ideals or what were the the kind of ration what was the rationale for for posture? Is it similar to kind of the the ideal position for the body to be in in terms of loads, kind of where the lines of gravity are when people are walking when they're through gait? What's what are kind of the the ideas behind ideal foot posture? Yeah, so I think it, it comes from exactly the same sort of uh, ideas that what we had where we talked about like the back and, and in shoulder posture as well as it comes from a very sort of biomechanical focus of what, um, what postures load tissues more. And there's a lot of theories uh, about how different postures load different tissues in different ways. Uh, what the idea really sort of, the big sort of idea in podiatry was, was root theory back in the 70s where uh, a group of well, Merton Root um, was the lead podiatrist and um, a bunch of others, um, so Root, Weed and Orion were the, the three, uh, put out a book and it was all talking about different positions of the foot and really that um, the idea that there may be a, um, a perfect sort of position. So we always talk about rear foot neutral. So the idea that you can sort of balance the calcaneus at zero and that was sort of the underlying theory behind why orthotics were helpful and why they would then sort of the ideal of what we should be doing um, with correcting people's foot and any sort of definition of abnormality. So anything outside of that rear foot neutral um, was to be corrected back. Um, the issue being is that that's been found to, to not be correct, that there isn't a um, theoretical neutral 
um, but it hasn't stopped a lot of people sort of still seizing on the general ideas of, of correction, so that something is wrong and needs to be corrected back, uh, that, this, that there is a, a biomechanically advantageous position, like a neutral position for everyone, or even just the idea of tissue stress theory where um, that uh, there's a, you know, you're loading up a tissue too much and it needs to be changed and we need to divert um, forces away from it to get better. Um, and there are some lot of virtues to a lot of these sort of different sort of theories in, in ways, but I don't think they completely um, explain everything that's going on. Um, but it's always that idea of trying to explain, you know, we know orthotics, orthoses do work in, in a lot of different situations and they're all different ways to try and explain how they work, um, I think is probably the way that I always, I always think about it. I'm always trying to find ways and I don't think it's as, as simple as um, just biomechanics. The kind of akin to the neutral spine kind of at all times, uh, regardless mm. if, you're, if you have a naturally lordotic posture statically. So the, the idea then that perhaps it's not uh, correcting the posture, it might be the interventions changing the posture that would be leading to the symptom modification. And are you saying then that the our ideals of foot neutral position or correcting, say, over pronation, as they say, uh, aren't really up to date with what we know now? Mm. So there's a couple of, like, there's sort of the two studies that I sort of think about studies, the systematic reviews. Uh, one, they were by very similar teams, and they did static and dynamic foot posture, so not just static when you're standing, uh, how the foot moves. And they did a review of all the studies that we had, and what they did find was there were a few couple of measures, like, for example, navicular drift and drop uh, for patellofemoral pain might be, so it's physically how much the navicular moves um, throughout, like, uh, through standing and um, non-weight-bearing sort of foot postures. Uh, how much of that, so it's sort of how much the arch move was a potential mild, uh, had mildly correlated with, with patellofemoral pain. Um, or the patellofemoral um, pain syndrome. And so there's a couple of things there, but really what they found was that foot posture by itself really didn't have a lot of strong links to injury. Uh, it, is, it is a bit more complicated than that. And now knowing what we know about the, that it's, it's not only the, the posture that matters, what kind of, uh, how would we explain it? So, so what I'm hearing is that there's, there was the tissue stress theory. Could you explain us, to us a little bit more about about that so the idea behind basic sort of premise behind tissue stress theory is that someone comes in and their foot posture is placing too much strain on a certain tissue and the idea is that when we then do something um, to alleviate that tissue uh, so you design your device not around correcting them back to an ideal neutral position you do something with the device to take strain away from it. So if someone comes in with a plantar fasciopathy or a plantar fasciitis, whatever you want to call it, um, you would then be looking at their posture and saying, oh, how can I take uh, stress away from the plantar fascia? Because it's obviously been overloaded. The idea behind that, they've still got that sort of central tenant in the way that people approach it, which is that it's their foot posture that needs to change or there's something in the foot posture that's the causative mechanism which um, doesn't mean that, you know, if we say that or, you know, that uh, the foot posture is not a causative element that we can't do orthotics. Orthotics can still be really helpful, but I think it's that narrative of um, it's your foot posture, which is, you know, as we, as we you know, know from the other studies that we, we 
not exactly changing. We're not, uh, and it, it probably can't be changed. So I, I sort of look and go, well, if, why are we focusing so much on something that can't be changed? Uh, why shouldn't we? Why can't we be focusing on the other aspects that may be um, helping come together with someone's foot posture that might cause these issues to to emerge? So we've been looking at then if if we're to look at the similarities between say uh, say any musculoskeletal problem uh, and and posture, we could say it's more a matter of load management or or even would you say do we still use the shifting the load? So the tissue stress theory to to explain some of the mechanisms. For, for well, I think that's a, yeah. You know, I think I think the tissue stress theory where it really shines is that idea of saying, well, how do we manage someone's load? So they come in, someone comes in with perineal tendinopathy or um, you know plantar fascia. And we go, well, we have you know you are you know the the tissue is no longer coping with the amount of stress that it's placing placing under, or um, can we put a a device in that helps reduce that that then allows us to get to a point where we can potentially adapt and and what we're finding is that you know most orthoses are, are in studies are finding that they are a short-term uh, benefit and that sort of fits with with um, with that sort of idea of take the load reload it then you might be able to take away that that assistance awesome and that's that's a more updated kind of narrative than just correcting someone's foot posture with with a device hmm. there's a caveat that there's always going to be people that and i and i still find it in day-to-day -day practice that there's always people that love their orthotics and they will always wear them and they get a lot of benefit there's some people that find that hey that i feel a lot more comfortable in the device i just saw a girl this morning that was just like ah oh, you know i don't feel like i'm at you know, I'm going to sprain my ankle without the devices, but I do feel more comfortable. Um, and there might be an aspect of, of that as well that, that I don't think we can explain. Um, but I think on the whole, if someone's coming in and saying, hi, I've got this problem and someone's saying, your foot's stuffed, you need an orthosis, otherwise you're going to have pain and problems for the rest of your life. Uh, that's not what the evidence is saying. And I think um, it, it's not an up-to-date practice and it's very much not utilizing the evidence that we have from across the body in general musculoskeletal risk factors it's a very hyper focused foot so hyper focusing on foot and foot posture there's more than just the the one factor and mm. and i noticed that you use the terms orthoses orthotics interchangeably could you clarify what the kind of differences if there are any i think it just comes down to it's um it's just naming i think so technically a foot orthosis is, is 100% the correct term um, simply because it, an orthotic is any sort of uh, device that uh, can be of assistance. Like, um, like uh, you think prosthetics and orthotists, they do a lot of upper limb um, orthoses as well, hand orthoses and that sort of thing. So yeah, there can be a potential confusion, but I just find that I've gotten too much of a habit of using orthotics and it's, I try and correct myself, but I don't always catch it. Cool. So you're referring to the exactly. You're referring to the same thing, basically, insoles that have a, a purpose of changing some kind of whether it's a combination of biomechanics or desensitization or tissue stress in someone's as they're wearing the shoes. Yeah, I think I think the the biggest sort of definitional difference and one that I sort of struggle with is what you refer to as an insole and what you refer to as a orthotic. 
um, or orthoses, that's probably, I think, where the big definitional divide is because an insole can just be something completely flat. When does, but we know we can put um, cushioning insoles and we can make a difference. Like where do we define the difference? And I'd probably put it at the fact that when it starts to become something that um, is, is tr we're trying to modify something that's beyond just cushioning. Awesome. So it's like a, another level of, of customization or, or change as opposed to just putting in a, a flat kind of underlayer. Mm. And in terms of the, the use of orthotics, of uh, your, your rationale now that now it's changed based on what we know from the literature, when would you prescribe a, a pair of orthotics? Let's go say a, a custom pair of orthotics. When are they useful in practice? Um, well, yeah, you've hit on the, hit on another point, which is the custom prefabricated divide. Um, when I would use orthoses, so I guess I'd probably break it down like two case studies for a common condition. We have someone who is a, say, plantar, plantar heel pain. Uh, we've got one uh, lady, slightly overweight, uh, retail worker, um, on her feet all the day, comes in, generally otherwise quite sedentary. Uh, and compared to someone who is a runner um, who comes in and has been doing lots and lots of running, uh, very, very active, uh, always exercising four to five times a week. And you sort of go, well, there's a, there's a media big difference. And generally what I would find is that we, we just figure out what's going to be the biggest assistance to each. Uh, generally when it comes to a runner on the whole, we find that, um, it can be just as simple as load management, sort of pulling back on certain runs, increasing others, changing speed, um, so the intensity of their workout, the duration, uh, and sometimes even just the amount, amount of times per week, we can sort of modify that to help with their symptoms. Um, we can then potentially introduce more strengthening exercises and stretching as well, and we can get quite a good result often with just those, that side of the treatment. We know that that is quite helpful. Um, the other side is that when we've got someone who's a retail worker on their feet all, all day, uh, generally we'd still do all exactly the same thing, but we've got a load there that we can't always change um, the amount that, that she needs to be standing and, and working. And we've got other factors as well that um, potentially um, going to, to make it more difficult to increase uh, or suddenly start to do a lot of strength work if they're generally not exercising already. And there might even be some resistance to those sort of um, uh, exercises and so what uh, or ambivalence really as well so potentially uh, what I often find is that I wouldn't jump straight in obviously we, we, we talk about it with patients and I just go well hey you know we've got these different approaches for heel pain one could be stretching and strengthening to start with one could be orthoses um, which one you know which makes the most sense to you and uh, I'd often find that on average would have those cases where you have a load that you can't change. That's where I, um, that easily we can't modify it. We can go here, here's something that may take some strain away from, uh, from your foot that might help. You might find better if that's, whether that's all that it's doing, whether it's the fact that it's, um, ACE getting a treatment might be also be helpful. Just having a, a physical embodiment of, uh, someone's help in the form of an OCs might be helpful. Having something that cups the foot um, that helps with um, feeling supported. Like if someone's exercising, you know, you just hold their shoulder while they exercise. We know that they can, they can do more. Maybe that's a component. 
And there's all these sort of things and we say, well, if that's something that helps someone, then in that case we can go, well, yeah, this is, that's what I would do. And that's generally the way that I, I think about it. In terms of prefabricated versus custom, it depends upon the patient more in terms of what I'm trying to achieve. So, um, for example, there's a really uh, interesting study that came out that showed that um, lateral forefoot wedging was probably the, the uh, combined um, with rear foot lateral wedging as well was the most effective at actually unloading the plantar fascia. So that's often something that I'll do. And if it's something that I find is uh, I need a customised device to be able to achieve that, then that's when I would generally make the choice to go to a custom compared to if someone comes in and I go, well, actually, I can, I've got a little lab out the back here and I can uh, heat mould a device to their foot and then add that in, that posting in really easily, that's probably where I would, I would go. So it would depend on kind of the, the case, right? It depends on how and if we can offload or change the loads in that person's current routine and their preferences as well. So you go through the options with them and in the end they, they decide on what kind of option they take. Well, yeah, and it's just about being honest and just sort of saying, because whenever I issue a device as well, we've got to be very aware that um, the evidence behind them isn't super-duper strong to say that they work for everyone. And I think that's probably the biggest issue with the narrative is that if we're saying foot posture relates and that we know that like 95, 90% of the population have, you know, never going to have a um, good foot posture, um, then, or they're always going to be able to have some abnormality, then it's a, it's a, it's a problem then to have that narrative because then we're sort of saying that 90 to 95% of the population should get orthotics and should do well when we know for plantar heel pain it's probably only 50 percent if maybe 55 um that are going to get a significantly good benefit so you i think we've got to be honest and say well we often in a lot of cases can't tell who's going to get better so we just be honest and i say well look here's what we know what makes sense to you and i often say that what makes sense because um, someone just goes, no, it makes sense that that orthotics are going to help, and you go, great. This is, you know, we, you know, you know that they might not be perfect and work. Uh, sometimes we might do a tape trial, and and someone might go, actually, that made a huge difference, and we go, great. You know, that means that we can mechanically change your symptoms, so that heightens the chance an orthotic will be of assistance. Um, but I think the other sort of side of it is, is that an orthotic by itself is not. I don't think going to completely solve some people's issue. Some people might go back to running, go back to reloading it themselves if they're quite active, um, that, that foot that is. And so they get a benefit from that and we might be subtly benefiting from just putting a device in and they doing the rehab themselves. Um, but I think, you know, most cases I won't give a device and say, there you go. It's a case of, nope, here's advice, it helps. And we follow up and, and we find there's always just a level of, of reloading that needs to be done. And how do you approach the, the customized versus non-customized? And if you go through the, the, the over-the-counter insoles, I know there are differences between kind of manufacturers or, or products. Could you talk us through a little bit about, about those differences between the custom, non-custom, and then the, the insoles, the differences? Yeah, um, so I think it's, it, it's all just the case of what you want to achieve and how you achieve it. Someone comes in with a really, really high arched foot you know there's no there's no there's no custom um, pre-custom device that's really going to be a good match so what we're really looking for is the a device that's going to provide the most contour to the foot when we look at some of the orthoses research we find that it's more of a case of the it's the contour 
of the device that, they, that, that they're finding provides a larger effect than just the posting. So we are looking for something that contours and if you're going, oh, I don't have a device that's going to contour really well or I can heat mould and contour, then um, you need to be looking at customs. Uh, and it's then also what you're trying to build in. If there's a feature in a device that, that I know would be helpful um, that I can't build into a prefabricated device confidently, then we'll just say, look, you know, I think if we're going to go down this route, you're going to get the best value for money out of out of out of a custom um and then some people we we start and we you know i've got one guy at the moment with hill pain um and he had a device before three years ago worked really well um he only had it for six months and he just went well i had a custom for six months and that was great um, but i don't want to spend eight hundred dollars and we said well great you know we can try an insurance policy let's try start with a prefab and you know, with these modifications, and we might have to go to a custom if, if um, to, to get your help. But that's all in addition to him doing stretching, strengthening, doing everything else in his to, to rehab load management, and he just wasn't getting anywhere. So it sounds like, it, depending on the person's preference, is there like a hierarchy or a funnel that you go through in terms of the, the orthosis, or, or do you go kind of look at the whole case, look at their history first, and then recommend? How would, how would you approach? that the shared decision making as well well it's it's asking questions it's figuring out like i said the biggest thing is figuring out what you want to do and if you go okay i can't physically do this with a prefab then, then that tells them and you just you can take that to the patient and say well i just don't think prefabs are are okay for you well there's a lot of cases where we go well actually um if we're looking for a short-term you know short-term offloading device that we know doesn't have to be perfect most studies that they get good results from are with prefabricated devices so something that's not particularly customized to them and we know we can get some good results and that can be a, be a really good good place to start uh, the decision decision making is always going to be a bit backwards and forwards and some people come in and just say to me hey you know i'm willing to drop thousand thousand dollars and you just go well that's what makes sense to them and we just go great you know we can We'll, we'll do it this way um, but it is about just having an open honest conversation with patients I think there's a lot of assumptions out there about what they do and don't do and I always just ask patients just big open questions what do you think is going on um, how do you think or orthoses would 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 help you um, what or why why do you think you know orthoses are going to be a big help for you if they come in with expectations and we sort of just have a bit of a chat about it to make sure we're on, they're on the same page as what the evidence tells us because I think there's a lot of patients that come in that, that have said to me, oh, I need orthoses, my foot's stuffed. And you sort of talk through and you go, well, actually, no, you know, it's, it's you're wildly varying your load week to week. You're not doing any strength training. You're trying to run a half marathon. You're, um, you know, you're not, potentially not sleeping right. You're not, um, you're very, very stressed and, uh, paying attention you know there's often I find like a lot of people use running as a stress management and so there's this sort of thing where are they you know monitoring their loads or their intensity um, so there's a lot of other things that I think we've got to keep in account um, when before we start just going straight ahead hey orthoses and I think once we start asking those questions it becomes a bit more obvious um what what else we can do and when it would be appropriate and not appropriate uh, but that's i think something that we don't always ask and we something we do miss
Yeah, absolutely. Looking at the, the entire picture and, and, and being honest with the, the narratives of, in terms of what we know that the evidence says, as opposed to jumping straight into to the prescription, right? So and there's a lot of um, fear avoidance, uh, like literature that I, that I don't see anyone discuss about in podiatry. And a lot of people can come in with heel pain and there's a, there's a quite a high incidence of fear avoidance. And one of that might manifest as I need a device, I need something to help with manage my foot posture because I'm very afraid that this pain means I'm, I'm doing damage when it can really just be a case of just needing to talk through some of those ideas. And any orthoses might be the way to go, but it's, it's, I think we've got to explore those ideas and that's not something that we're always doing. And with people that come in with those kind of narratives, how do you then shift towards more, I guess, helpful narratives in terms of symptom modification and, and overall load management? Because they're probably coming in expecting to have a pair of custom orthotics get fixed and then bam, the pain is gone. Hmm. And I think the part of the, the problem that we have is that, that um, whether they get coming with that expectation or they're given that expectation based upon the whole process of this is an orthosis, um, it becomes a real problem when they get to the other end and we know what happens, they don't get better uh, or not everyone gets better and there's a lot of people left. Um, when it comes to changing narratives, often uh, we do a bit of, uh, do a combination of just chatting about what that um, where they're getting that understanding so sometimes it's a lot of people hey you know my, my mate had it they got an orthosis and he was a lot better um, and sometimes it's a case of an actual real belief about how the foot functions and depending upon what it is sometimes we change it I can't change someone's idea that hey you know their mate got better with the device um, but we can say you're different um, you, you might be a different case or this might be something a bit different when we talk about someone having an idea about the footwork, how the foot works, we can sometimes talk through the, the evidence, what we know. Uh, and sometimes I think it's, it's just experiential learning. Um, one case, you know, comes out to mine is where I had a guy come in, he was running and he was like, this just, you know, my posterior tibial tendon really, really hurts. And it's all to do with my foot posture. And I think I've torn it and I think it's irreparably damaged because it hasn't gotten better for six months. And I went, okay, cool. Uh, let's tape it up today and let's see, you know, let's just start with some some tape. Let's see if you're, you're, you're a good fit or what type of orthotic that we're going to have. And went away and then he sort of came back and said, well, hold on a second, you know, that taping helped beyond when I took it off. All of a sudden things got better and I was running a bit more and I was like, well, if things are so easy to change and we can modify it, is it really that things are irreparably torn? Uh, or irreparably damaged, or is there a bit more leniency um, in your eye? You know, can we add some some things in that that might take that into account? Love it, and we're we're being honest with that, and they're finding out themselves as opposed to us kind of telling them or educating them as though we are kind of the authority figure, and they should just listen to what we we say. It's more, hey, if it was kind of torn, maybe this piece of tape wouldn't have really helped for a full full-blown tendon tear yeah and then the fact that that maybe we can we can spend some time we can reload you safely and and build some adaptation in that tendon rather than saying that um, we have to change your foot posture i mean it might definitely help an orthosis you know could could definitely really help that that person and it depends because there are some conditions when it comes to posterior tibial tendinopathy like adult acquired flat foot and different gradings and there's a, there's a bunch of things to take into account with some conditions um, because uh, they can be the canary 
in the coal mine for um, ligament change, which actually results in a, in a change and a flattening of their foot posture. So there are a few conditions you have to be aware of, but most of the time, you know, what I find is that, that it's a case of someone's come in and they've spent four, five, six months um, doing, uh, trying to get better themselves and for us to then come in and say, oh, actually, no, it's, it's just this, you've got to try it this way or that way. It, it seems a bit of a kick in the face um, to, to say that. To, to them and, and, and um, essentially disregard their narrative of, of what's happening. I love that. It's like we're, we're combining the effective education through our interventions rather than just uh, educating beforehand or invalidating what they've tried or what they've heard from their mm. trusted resources and, um, and invalidating their efforts as well. So that's, that's great. You're, you're looking at the whole picture you're, you're being honest about the narratives that you, you, you give them and you're using experiential learning as opposed to just you know, educating them with a whiteboard, showing them pain neuroscience education. Yeah. Awesome. Alex, thanks so much. We covered some really useful topics. Um, the, the orthotics kind of uh, narratives that we can use nowadays as opposed to the, the kind of old school fixing your posture. And we're taking into account what we know with pain science with biomechanics, so we're reconciling the two. Um, and I'm sure there'll be some awesome info for both podiatrists and, and all musculoskeletal therapists. So where can we find you, mate? Where can we find your work? Uh, so I've, there's a couple of places. So I um, probably the, the places where I'm most active uh, would be Facebook and, and Instagram. Um, so just you can search making sense in podiatry on Instagram. It's just all one word. Um, on Facebook, you can just find it typing in making sense in podiatry. Um, uh, I've also got a website where, where I post some of the things I, I write. Um, so there's, uh, that's on making sense in podiatry.com. Uh, so specifically, there's there's a bit of writing on there on on, on foot posture and and models and and uh, sort of some of my questions about whether whether we're a bit certain. So if anyone's interested in that, that's a good sort of place to start. I would I would think. Awesome. So really hope the conversation keeps flowing and we get we get some questions to to keep it going because it's such an important conversation to have and we should really be collaborating together, all kind of musculoskeletal therapists as opposed to kind of the silos that we normally live in. So, so thanks yeah. so much. Thanks so much, Alex, for your time. And I'm sure we'll get you again. And for anyone else interested, we also run some courses and mentorship, which we'll be launching this week. Head over to tkex.org and check out the post on the Facebook group, the Knowledge Exchange Practitioners Group. Keep the conversations flowing. And until next time, thanks, Alex. And enjoy the rest Thank of you. the week.